everyone, and welcome back. I am the Bull, and this is See the Bull Ski, the podcast where I talk about leadership, followership, resiliency, and wellness. Thank you for listening in, as always. I really do appreciate it. Last time, I talked about my take on fake it till you make it, and I offered a different perspective to use. So if you haven't already done so, please go check it out along with my other sessions. As for today, I have a topic to go over that is very close to my heart because we are well into May, and that is a very important month in particular to me. So let's get into it. As you may or may not know, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and since I am a mental health technician by trade, I wanted to take today and talk about mental health and some of the questions that I've been asked throughout my career and some of the stigmas that I hear the most. Um, There really is no doubt that mental health has some stigmas associated with it, and these stigmas are often perpetuated in the media not always in the greatest light, and they're often grossly exaggerated. The most basic reason I can think that this occurs in the media is like the the reality of people that when they go to seek help, it's just not flashy enough, so media ends up misrepresenting because that's juicier, that's more dramatic, this, that, and the other. The problem is it paints a very negative image for those that either want help or they're trying to seek help, and that negative viewpoint, that negative stigma prevents them from getting help And this results in them struggling for far longer than they need to. And in some cases, it demonizes the people, you know, already getting help. And it makes them feel less than human in some cases. So I'm very, very concerned about the stigmas, especially because it is the job that I work in. Um, We as people, we have this thing called a negativity bias. In the resiliency program that I'm a part of, we talk about it and we try to educate people about it so that we can adequately counteract it and not allow it too much control of our lives. See, we have this negativity bias because from a survival perspective, bad things threaten us and those that we care about. So we pay more attention to perceived harmful things than we do good things. Good things don't typically present problems needing to be addressed, but negative things do. And for some, the perception or armchair psychology perspectives tend to paint mental health in a very negative light. Um, There are tons of negative views, bad experiences, And in some cases, just ignorance as to what mental health really is, how real or how helpful it can be. And like all things in these concerns, there are some grains of truth. But in my experience, they are often totally misunderstood or misrepresented. And it it is really hard to alter perspectives. I mean, I can talk about mental health all day, but to someone else, I sound like a car salesman. And kind of to, to an extent, I guess I am. But I hope that with enough education, you know, knowledge, perspective, critical thinking, that we can create a society where no one has to live day to day in misery and can instead work to creating the life that they want, you know, being happy with themselves and proud of their accomplishments, especially if that accomplishment is overcoming their own internal struggles. The counter to the negativity bias is something that Barb Fredrickson calls the upward spiral. This is intentionally looking at or finding the good in one's life. Uh, we can focus on the perceived negative things about mental health that we may, you know, quote unquote, know or believe and neglect a much needed and beneficial service, or we can challenge the negativity and you know critically think in question and look for the good that is available, and even more so the good that can occur by seeking out support from professionals when we need it. Uh, the first thing to remember is that we all individually, we are responsible for our own mental health, right? No matter how much I, for example, work with somebody to help them work through their concerns or you know help them work out solutions, that client is still the one who has to put in the work and make the changes necessary as determined by their own goals and needs in life. That isn't to say that mental health doesn't help or it can't help. It's just that mental health specialists, we can't do the work for you. 
but we are able to help you isolate and direct your attention and energy to solutions that can help you thrive in life rather than survive day to day. And that's a big beneficial part of mental health and something that I like to provide when I'm working with people is I'm just an outside perspective. I'm a little bit more objective. I'm not in the weeds with you. So I'm able to hear what you're going through and then help you work through your problem, your problems, your concerns, your issues, whatever you want to call it. I bet if you think about it, you can think of some mental health stigmas that either you have or that you have heard. And this is the crux of why, you know, Mental Health Awareness Month is so needed. We as people love to think that we can distinguish between fictional, exaggerated, or real life situations. But the truth is we often can't or don't. And we, we only use what we're exposed to as a baseline for future experiences. This can be very damaging for those that are looking for help and that really is the heart of mental health, helping people. I don't know how many clients I've worked with who've struggled for years and the biggest barrier was the representation of mental health in the media and the fact that they didn't want to be associated with such negative portrayals, which I think is understandable, but it's very unfortunate because like any problem, the longer you ignore it and allow it to go on, the worse it can get. Adding to this are those that do seek help from professionals, but they can't share that experience with friends or family because they're worried about how they're going to be treated. That potential lack of social support is a huge factor in our well-being, and I believe that everyone can benefit from reflecting on how you know we talk about certain topics because you never know what struggles somebody right next to you is going through. I always find it interesting when I meet the people who are like, you know, yeah, well, I'm going through stuff too, so just deal with it. And if you're one of those people, I just ask you to remember something. It's not about you in that moment. It's about helping somebody who is struggling or in pain. Just because you're doing okay right now does not invalidate what somebody else is going through. And a fact of life is that everyone needs help at some point. It doesn't matter how old you are, what gender, what position or rank, how much money you make, everybody needs help at some point. So please, please use a little compassion. It takes no strength to tear down others, especially when those others are already hurt. But it does take strength to help somebody else with their burdens, to help them stand back up, to heal, and to keep going. You know, it's one thing to push past your limits and grow and achieve greatness. It's a totally different thing to neglect your well-being and hurt yourself and or others when help is available. One of the interesting things about working in mental health is that often when we tell people what we do, they put up a barrier and they try to distance themselves from us. Like, you know, they're afraid we're gonna like pull a Jedi mind trick or we're gonna read their mind. And I just wanna proclaim that, you know, we only read your mind with your permission, like Professor X from X-Men. Okay, very, very bad joke. I'm kidding, calm down. No, we do not read minds. It we. There's no mind reading. There's no magic eight ball to tell us the mysteries of the human mind. Uh, we're just a bit more trained to to listen to what's being said verbally and to pay attention to what's going on physically, you know, nonverbal language. And we try to help people work through whatever's going on in their lives. Sometimes what someone needs isn't for somebody else to fix their situation. They just need a safe environment to work through it themselves. You know, we all have different lives and experiences, and we use, the, we use those individual circumstances to work out solutions. But sometimes we aren't adequately equipped right now, you know, in the moment to handle something, and we need a hand. We need some help. I'm a big analogy person, so I think of it like this, right? If I'm in the gym, you know, everybody's got different strengths, but let's say, you know, you're on the bench press, and you've got a good weight, not too heavy and not too light, and you're, you're doing your workout. You're pumping it out. Now, you want to push yourself so you can grow stronger, but eventually that weight that you could handle initially is going to feel heavier. 
And at some point, you're going to need to rack it so that you can catch your breath. You know, give your muscles a break. If you push yourself too hard, you run the risk of compromising your form or running out of strength and potentially dropping the weight on yourself. But hopefully, you have a spotter who can help you watch, you know, watch your back and catch the weight if it becomes too much so you don't hurt yourself. Sometimes, you know, using this analogy to mental health, sometimes that spotter is a friend or a family member and you take turns taking care of each other and sometimes you would need a personal trainer who has more experience and skills to help you and they are focused on just on helping you out. In life with mental health, that's me. I'm the personal trainer or, you know, psychologists or psychiatrists or social workers. We're those trained professionals. You know, sometimes it's good enough just to have your buddy watching out for you. But sometimes it doesn't hurt to talk to somebody that's got some more knowledge and experience to, you know, help you get through your next set, as it were. Um, I hope that example makes sense because to me, there isn't a lot of difference between, you know, like physical resilience and mental resilience and mental wellness. You know, and we're, we're I'm going to say this later, but we're very quick to take care of ourselves physically. And sometimes we forget to take care of ourselves and others mentally. Um, some people, you know, we have those gym buddies that they can turn to, or, you know, some people they do research online and they are able to figure it out for themselves. And that's great. But there is nothing wrong with going to someone with more training and experience to get some advanced perspectives. It, it's no different when talking to mental health or any kind of mental health resource. All you're really doing is getting assistance from somebody who's trained, who may know some tips and tricks to help you get your life and well-being where you want it. And that's another key part of mental health in my eyes. When you go to mental health, we are trying to help you live the life you want, not the one that others want for you. A lot of therapists use what's called non-directive approaches, which is just another way of saying that they're not going to tell you what to do. But instead, we want to try and help you find out what it is you want to do and what you feel you need to do to get to where you want to be. Yes, there are some directive approaches and everybody's a little different, so there's really no cookie cutter approach, you know. So even if two people have the exact same concern or diagnosis, we personalize everything because the individual circumstances are so uh, massive and they do play such a huge role. On that note, I wanna share some insights that I've learned over the years. First, most people who seek mental health do not get a diagnosis. And by most, in my experience, less than 50% typically have been diagnosed in my experience. It's different in different places, I'm sure. But you know, in my time working in mental health, less than 50% get an actual diagnosis. Now, why does that matter? Well, again, thank you, media. Th there is this belief that if you have a diagnosis, then that means that there is something wrong with you, which is not correct at all. Having a diagnosis just means that you meet a certain number of criteria to signify that you may be struggling more with a particular issue or concern and you may require more assistance for a longer period. But even that isn't an absolute. Having a diagnosis helps in creating treatment plans. You know, Even though, as I said earlier, everybody gets a personalized approach, we use diagnoses to help ensure that we use tested and proven, proven methods for helping somebody, you know, whether that be to heal, to grow, to recover, etc. Now, as I said, most people don't typically get a diagnosis. So what about the majority of those seeking help? You know, what, what about those others? Well, from my personal experience, again, I, I can only speak from my own experience. Most people that are seeking help are doing it because they aren't getting the support they need anywhere else, or they don't feel like they can get help anywhere else, and they just need someone who isn't a perceived or actual threat to help them work through something. Even me, I, I'm a mental health tech. I'm a senior NCO. 
I have sought individual counseling and I've gone to marital counseling. I do this for a living. I've, I taught it for four years. I deployed and did this as a sole mental health tech for over 3,000 joint service troops. And even I've needed help from time to time to help me work through stressors and get rebalanced. Being trained in mental health doesn't make me superhuman or immune from stressors. It just means I have a little more insight and familiarity than most. But I'm still a person and sometimes it's hard to be objective, especially with myself. So I need an outside perspective to help me out. It's no different, I think, for anybody else. You know, being a certain age, sex, gender, certain profession, having so much money, none of that counters the fact that at the end of the day, we are all walking a personal journey journey up the mountain called life. But that doesn't mean we have to walk it alone the whole time. We get to choose who we let join us. And mental health specialists are just another option we have if we are willing, you know, to let them help us out. We can't walk it for you, you know, mental health, they can't walk it for you, but they can help you decide which is the best path for you and help keep you from falling off the side of the mountain, as it were, or even help pull you back if you do slip. Hey, mountain trails, you know, the trails of life, they get steep sometimes, lots of loose gravel, and you aren't always sure that the ledge you're reaching for can hold you. So having somebody experienced in mountain climbing can be really helpful, right? I mean, that just makes sense to me. Not everyone that seeks help gets or even needs a diagnosis, and whether you do or don't get a diagnosis is irrelevant. What matters is getting the help that you need when you need it and or being supportive of those around you that may need help. You don't have to understand what they are going through. Just acknowledge that they're going through something and could use some understanding and compassion. Quite a few times, I haven't had answers for clients, but it wasn't about me having the answers. It was about providing space and support for them to work out their own answers. All right, so uh, next stigma I wanna talk about is uh, medications. So to me, uh, medications kind of fall into two categories. It's the easiest way that I think about them. The first is for those who are experiencing symptoms, let's say anxiety or depression and they're having a hard time managing the symptoms, and because of that, they're unable to effectively work on the cause of the symptoms. If I'm stressed out and I'm in survival mode, then my ability to think calmly and rationally is compromised because the part of the brain that is responding to stress is also taking away from my ability to solve problems because the part of the brain that is used for critical thinking and problem solving is being overrun by the parts of the brain that are being used for survival. You kind of have to understand a little bit of the layers of the brain and the different structures and functions. I don't want to go into that kind of TED talk, but I'll try to make it make sense. In a stressful state, AKA fight or flight, the brain is diverting as much energy and attention as it can into getting past the stressor or trigger and the ability to engage in effective critical thinking is severely hampered. Typically, once the stressor passes and we've survived, we calm down and the brain often reflects on the experience, sometimes automatically, but often this has to be purposeful. We evaluate the experience and we record and remember it for future use in the next stressful situation. If you are perpetually in a stressed out state though, then you can have a hell of a time trying to come up with good solutions because you're essentially stuck in survival mode. And as we said, when you're stuck in survival mode, your ability to critically think and problem solve is hampered. In those instances, medications help manage the symptoms so you can engage a different area of the brain and handle the cause of the stressor. The symptoms aren't the root cause, they are the result. And you can't fix the problems 
by only focusing on the result. You got to find out what the cause is. But if the symptoms are getting in the way of being able to look at the causes, then you're just in a perpetual cycle of stress to panic, to panic, to panic, to panic. So the results can very easily get in the way. So medications are used to help mitigate the results, that anxiety or depression, so that you can work on the root cause, which is what's causing the anxiety or depression. I hope that makes sense. The second category of medications are for those who naturally don't produce the chemicals needed for a healthy, balanced mental state, or there is something interrupting the brain's ability to properly recognize those chemicals. Again, it is not that there is something wrong with you. It is just that the brain, for any dozens of reasons, is having a hard time producing or recognizing the neurotransmitters we need. We are only who our brain allows us to be. A lot of people want to think and believe that they are in complete control of their faculties, but I'm, so, I'm sorry, that is just not the case. Oxytocin, serotonin, norepinephrine, dopamine, and all of these chemicals and more, you know, these are the chemicals that the brain uses for various functions. Again, I don't want to go into a big neurochemical TED talk. I just want to explain a little that for some people, there is a chemical imbalance and some people use, uh, they need the meds to rebalance out. Sometimes they may need it for long-term use to help regulate their internal functioning. You may ask why this happens and there are tons of different reasons. Sometimes it's biological, sometimes it's hereditary, sometimes it's because of a traumatic event. It just, there, it just depends. Some people benefit from longer use of medications. Sometimes short term is enough. As I said, it just depends. And psychiatrists are trained to help you find the right balance that works for you. Everyone is a little different, so it takes a little trial and error to find the right medication and the right dosage to get the results that you're looking for. Medications can also take some time to work their way uh, in as intended because the brain is trying to work out and integrate this outside influence. So don't get discouraged. Uh, keep working with your provider and eventually you will get there. Medications are not the answer in most cases and they should really only be used in conjunction with counseling. Unfortunately, some people may rely solely on meds when, you know, trying to trying to mitigate it when really what they need to do or what would be more beneficial is using the meds to minimize, you know, the the symptoms and do the counseling and the talking and the therapeutic milieu with the provider to actually get the resolution. Um, if you become too reliant on the chemicals and you don't address the underlying causes, it can create a whole different set of issues. Now, one of the big topics when it comes to mental health awareness is the focus on suicide. Of course, that is obviously a very massive topic. Um, so I want to make sure that I talk about it as well. It is a very difficult topic to talk about in any context. And it's hard to know what to say because it is such a scary, intimidating situation. Me personally, I usually advise people to look out for the big three, which are helplessness, hopelessness, and burdensomeness. If someone is feeling any or all of these, especially for prolonged periods of time, then suicide becomes a major concern. If someone is feeling miserable for a long time, they may begin to think that this is just their new norm of living, which can lead them to think that suicide is their only way out. The helplessness is that the thoughts and feelings that nothing and nobody can help. Hopelessness is that it will never get any better and burdensomeness is the feeling that you you don't want to reach out for help because you don't want to put what you're feeling on other people. You don't want to be a burden to others so you just suffer in silence. Now, it's normal to have a day when the sun isn't that bright and the birds aren't singing quite as loudly 
And, you know, overall that day just kind of sucks. And we've all had days like that. The key difference that I look for when I've worked with clients is if these thoughts or feelings are persistent, consistent, and is there an identifiable cause? The more someone is suffering from, you know, helpless, hopeless, burdensome mindsets combined with persistent, consistent, and cause, the more likely I've seen suicide becoming a concern for that individual. Fortunately, there is always help. There is always hope. And it is not a burden to, to help those in need. All I ask is that if you are somebody struggling, don't do it in silence. Reach out to someone you can trust about getting help. If you don't know who to ask, call and speak to the professionals who can point you in the right direction. If you aren't getting the help that you need, keep asking and there will be somebody who offers what you are looking for. Use the national hotline, schedule an appointment with your doctor for a referral, whatever you need to do to start the healing process. Again, what works for you. And just because you don't need it, doesn't mean it isn't useful. It could be exactly what somebody else needs to get them through a tough spot. So thanks for sticking with me uh, uh, this long if you're still with me. I sincerely hope that so far this has been at least a little helpful. Um, I do wanna share some cautionary advice. I was talking to some of my cohorts in the mental health field and one of my uh, team members, one of my old teammates, said that she has seen an increase in people self-diagnosing off of social media like TikTok or Facebook. Please, please, I am begging you, be careful doing that. If I had a week, I would not be able to address all of the misinformation out there about mental health. And while I want to think everyone sharing info is trying to help, there's just too much incorrect information and some of it can seriously hurt you or others. So I am asking, please talk with a professional if you have any questions or concerns. Yes, there are definite benefits from educating yourself and maybe doing so can help you work through your own situations. And if you can do that in a safe and healthy way, that is great. I'm seriously happy for you. I do that myself, you know, but please do not overly or singularly rely on Dr. Google or nurse TikTok as an absolute for your mental health needs. No one has all the answers and that is okay. But by working together and supporting one another, we can make the world at least a little better for those who need help. Everyone asks for help with something, whether it's at home or at work, and mental health is no different. I myself, you know, I said it earlier, I've been in almost 18 years. I'm trained in and I do this for a living. I taught it for four years. My degree is in it. I have needed to reach out for help on a couple of different times. You know, and if I, and I say that just, you know, to normalize it, if I, with my personal training and my experiences have needed help, then I believe anybody can benefit from it. Your own well-being does not permit you to tear down others who are struggling. And at the same time, if you're struggling, that is not an excuse for your actions to hurt others because you refuse to get help. As I said at the beginning, you are responsible for your own well-being, but that doesn't mean that you are alone in your journey. No one should have to live in perpetual pain or discomfort, and there's no reason for it not with the amazing resources we have nowadays. And while no system is perfect, I truly believe there is always hope for a better tomorrow for each of us, but it all starts with the individual, right? We just need to work together to achieve it. If you woke up tomorrow and you didn't feel good physically, you would probably take some home remedies, maybe take it easy for the day, maybe even take the day off and you know hope it goes away. Maybe it's just a 24 hour stomach flu, whatever. If three days went by and you felt the same, 
I would hope you would start looking at potentially getting an appointment to get checked out by a doctor. If it went on persistently for a month, I bet you would think something was amiss and you would be trying pretty hard to get seen. We are a bit quicker to take care of ourselves when something physically is going on, and that's good, but we should also be making our mental and emotional health a priority as well. It isn't that something is wrong with you. It isn't that something isn't, it's just that things aren't going the way that we expect it to, and hey, that happens. I had a flight commander, a psychologist who said, and I'm, and I'm paraphrasing, um, it isn't getting seen or getting help that causes problems. It's ignoring what's going on and allowing it to get worse. And that really struck with me. So I hope that you all take some time to check in on yourselves, but also check in on those around you and please be supportive and understanding. Just because you are in a good spot doesn't mean those around you are in the same place. But don't we want those in our lives to be doing just as well as we are? Right? A lot of people are good at hiding the difficulties they're dealing with, and sometimes it just takes a little compassion to let somebody know that they aren't alone and then help them and get the support that they and we all need at some point. As always, thank you for listening. Please help the channel by sharing this out with me. There's no way I could touch on everything, but being a mental health tech, I did want to take some time to throw out some love to my mental health peoples. We do not have all the answers, but as I said earlier, it's not about having the answers. It's about helping you and others work through whatever's going on in your life to finding the answers that you need to get you to where you want to be in life. So please don't suffer in silence. Please take care of yourselves and please take care of each other. Um, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at C under the letter C underscore the underscore bull underscore ski. Drop me a comment, drop me a follow, drop me a like, maybe throw in a future topic that you'd like to hear about, and I will check you out next time.